For those that have joined us for the first time, just, uh, I just want to just kind of briefly just explain you know, what we've been sharing about. And uh, for those that have been with us over this last month, um, it's just lovely to just kind of get a feel again of everything that has been shared. We've been specifically sharing out of a theme from Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8 is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. He had never met the church when he wrote the letter. But it's an incredible, incredible letter um, that he's written. It's a beautiful, beautiful summation of what it means to be free in Christ. Uh, it's just an incredible, one of, one of the masterpieces that, um, that we have. And specifically chapter 8, um, they call it Christian's Declaration of Freedom. And what we've done as a church over this month of February, we've been looking at a specific theme that we've been applying in different parts uh, of our lives, really. And the theme that we'll be sh we've been sharing about is that is God is for us. God is for us. And the verses that we've centered it around is from Romans chapter 8, it's from verse 31 and to verse 32. And I'd like to just read that as we declare it and as you see that this is the theme that we've been actually sharing. And it reads as follows. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with all gracious giving us all things it is just a wonderful declaration that God is for us and what we've done is we've been looking at specific themes around where God is for us the first theme we shared about was that God is for us as you struggle against sin. The verse that we've used there, and it was just an incredible message, um, was from Romans chapter, one, chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. And it reads as follows. It says, Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. This is such a liberating statement, and Oh, just the, the, the realities and the, and the confidence and the, the, the wonderfulness of this amazing proclamation, this, 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 this statement that, you know, just to get your head around that and to live in that and not live under this heavy religious sense, knowing that the blood of Jesus really set you free from all guilt. And, and I just kind of tried, I know I don't want to share much of that message. It was just when we understand that we, should, we no longer live under the consciousness of sin, but under the consciousness of Jesus and grace. Uh, if you haven't listened to that message, I really encourage you to just go back. It is just such a liberating reality to know and to live into as you walk as a Christian. Paul's letter was written to Christians. He's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to them in an environment under persecution. This letter is for you who, are, who know the Lord, who understands what it means to be free from the condemnation of sin. That was two weeks ago. Last week, uh, Piet shared an, also an incredible message, and the theme was structured around, for God is for and present with you in your suffering. Just, I just, after the message, I just text all the guys in our small group and said, guys, whatever you do, listen to this message, because it was just so profound. The way Piet was able to break down what suffering is, sometimes it's just not fair. Sometimes it's just why we've been in that soup. 
Um, and the way he just shared that with us and then this beautiful reality. I just want to speak about the verse specifically uh, from Romans 8 verses 18 and it says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What an incredible, incredible statement. And how Piet was able to just to share with us that we need to live with a mindset of what God is doing through the suffering and living with that reality that God is doing something for his glory. We live today in that with the hope of tomorrow. Again, if you haven't heard that message, it is on YouTube now. It is there. It is just such a blessing. So those were the themes we shared in the last two weeks. This week, I'll be sharing in the third theme, which is also just been... Ah, it's, just, it's just been an incredible journey for me as I've prepared myself. And the theme is this. It is, for God is for you when faced with overwhelming odds. As I was preparing this and as I was gearing myself and, and just knowing that Peter had asked if I could share this message, we've, we're just allowing God to just speak into my own life as I just wanted this reality to be real from who I am. Um, it has been a journey, just, just, just going through the overwhelming things that, are in, that I've been facing, that I have faced, and that I still face, and allowing myself to, to reflect on it and allow this truth to speak into my own life. And the verses that I'm specifically going to be using are found in the last four verses of Romans chapter 8. Um, Theologians, uh, some of the older theologians have, have said that these specific four verses were the magnificent piece of eloquences, eloquency that Paul wrote down. A magnificent, magnificent, magnificent piece of eloquency. And truly they are. They're, and I, I really want to say this with all my heart, that I'm so hoping that as I share this word and as I speak this into our lives, that I'm trusting that the Lord will let this word go from our heads into our hearts and that we'll be able to cling to this truth that is found in this word with our fingernails as we face these overwhelming things in our in our lives and that it will be really become a truth that today as we as we share this word that we will just not be the same again actually before I start I'd just like to pray um, for that and I want to ask God to do that for us as, as I break open this word Heavenly Father I, I just come right in this moment Lord Lord, you know my heart, and as I've been preparing this, and, and I just want to ask, Lord, right now, that as we share this word, as I share this word that you've given me from your word, Lord, that you would change us, that we would look at the things that are overwhelming us right in this time, and that we will never be able to face them in the same way as we try to do in our own strength. Father, I ask right now that as I share this word, the realness of it that it is to all of us, that, Lord, you would, you would do something miraculous in all of our lives. And we will hold on to this truth in whatever we face. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. So let me, let me read this, this specific passage. Um, and just allow the Lord to speak to us. I'm going to be reading it uh, from the New Living Translation. And uh, it's four verses. You're welcome to read with me on the screen. starts in verse 35, and it says... Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? It's a question. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamities or are persecuted or hungry 
or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Second question. As the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, the overwhelming victory is ours through, through Christ who loves us. And I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from, the, from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ our Lord. Wow. Truly a masterpiece of Paul's just writings in these four verses. I want to just break it down briefly just, just to kind of give us a sense of what he's trying to say. Um, basically what Paul does, he uses two questions. He raises two questions. The first question is, he states, what can separate us from God's love? He makes that statement. He then goes on to state another question. He says, can these things separate us from God's love? And he names them. And they're kind of things we kind of can get our head around. Things like trouble, calamity, um, persecution, hunger, destitution, danger. We kind of get our head around that. And then he says in verse 37, despite all these things, the overwhelming victory, there's that word, overwhelming victory, is ours, very importantly, through Christ, who, loved, who loves you. And then as even as if he wants to kind of just like bring it home and really like just seal this, this profound thing that he's just said, he says, I am convinced. And if we thought those things that he mentioned are kind of big, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you'd think, okay, he starts off with, you know, one of the smaller, bigger things, but he starts off with death, which is that fear and that, that thing we don't want to speak about, the thing we try with everything we can medically to prevent. He speaks about that as a big thing that can get between us. He then goes on to life, and you'd think, well, that's, life is better than death, but he speaks about life because life is, is, is that kind of dangerous thing that allures us uh, and, and draws us, you know, to want other things and want more and, and want the safety and kind of just leads us further and further from sin to sin to sin. And then he even goes bigger and he starts mentioning, you know, angels and demons can't separate us. Those spiritual powers, it's really getting big. And then he moves into time and space. He says the things that you worry about today and the things that you're going to worry about in the future cannot separate you from God. And if that's not big enough, he says everything from the stars in the heaven to the earth below cannot separate us from, from the love of God. And then he just seals this all together with this final statement where he says, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. That is, and this is important, that is revealed in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's so important to kind of understand that. But here's the thing. 
when I started working through this specific passage, what of that that I've just shared with all of my heart is giving you a sense of life and a sense of I can hold on to this? What in that whole passage which I've just shared lets you realize that God is going to help you with the things that you're dealing with right now? I want you each to imagine in this moment those things that are right there, those overwhelming things that you wake up with in the morning that you know is there and the question that you don't want to ask but it's there, that logically speaking with the reality you're living in, with what you're dealing with when you wake up and when you go to sleep, that God can't really come through for me in this one. I've got to try and do it on my own. I mean, that's, that's what we think. But there's a promise made in this word. There's promises made in this word that God wants us to own, to give us life, so that we can deal with this in a way that is only a God way. And it's not so easy just to see when you think, well, what is the rhema? What is the life in this? What can I hold on to when I read this amazing, amazing passage? The promise that God is giving us in this word is that he's never going to let us go. He's never, ever going to let you go. He loves you so much. He's saying, my child, I'm with you. I thought when I, when I started kind of just working this in my own heart, I was thinking, how can I get this across? And then I was reminded of, of another place in the Bible where the Lord just, in my life, has just shown me how much he loves me. And it's found in, in the book of Hebrews, um, in the 13th chapter, and the, this verse, verse 5, the first part of the verse, it's all about how we should deal with money. But the last eight words in the English Last eight words is a statement of God's love for us. Now, I just want to mention this. I love reading the Amplified Bible. It's an amplification of the Greek and the Hebrew words. It's not an easy read because they kind of, you'll see, it's, it's, it's not kind of written in the way that you can just read it always. But this verse in the Amplified Bible is just honey. It's just gold. And, and I'm going to read it to us, and I'm going to want you just to hear what God is saying to you as you see how God loves you. Um, I'm going to ask Rinus to put it up there. This is, this is from the Amplified Bible, and this is what the Lord says. It's the Lord speaking. He says, He has said, I will never, under any circumstance, desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you, let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. This is what the Lord is saying to you and me. He's saying that he is with us. And there's a real sense of safety, a sense of security, that because of his love, you have to feel safe. And I was wondering, how do I bring this home in my own life? And and I, and I remembered this, this one image that I, that I hope if I bring it to you, it's a personal thing, but it's just real to me. And I, I'm just trusting that the Lord would, will seal this truth for you in your hearts. It took me back to my childhood. When, when I was a little boy, 
And I had to cross a street in the city in Africa that we lived. It is, it's not like here. They didn't know what pedestrian crossings are back then. Uh, we call them zebra crossings. I don't think they even know what zebra crossings are today. But it's a terrifying thing to cross a street in a busy town in Africa. And my mom, she's five foot something. She's a strong little lady. She does everything with her left hand. And I remember in those moments when we were going to cross the street, she would grab me with that left hand of hers on my arm. Not on my hand, on my arm. And she would hold me. And she'd walk out into that street. And I would not, I, I just knew how safe I was. As she led me over that street, holding me so tightly with her arm, there was nothing that was going get, to get let go of me from that from that grip of hers. But the sense of safety, the sense of love, and the sense of security I felt as my mom walked me over those streets, that is the same sense in a kind of way that the Lord wants to tell us right now. That He's telling you and me that I will never leave you. I will not relax my hold on you. I will surely never, ever let you go. I love you with an everlasting love. And I want you to feel safe in that in whatever you're facing. And that's the truth that comes out. That's the living word that comes out as Paul is expressing God's love to us. As we think of these calamities, if we think of these overwhelming situations, God is saying to you and me, I want you to know this. I've got you, and I love you, and I'm holding on to you. And I just pray that as you think of those things in your life that lets that that this starts building up inside you daily, I'm just trusting that the Lord will let this truth that you're hearing right now will just transform those moments if you realize the reality of what God is saying to you as we face all these things. That's one of the first truths that is spoken to us out of this word. And I just love God's word for doing that and sharing that with us. That's number one. Number two is also an incredible profound thing that is mentioned specifically in this passage. And it's something, as a, as a, as a guy that, that believes in the Lord, that is a child of God, you know, the truth is that it's just the natural thing is that when things happen, I just, we just think it's just unfair. Why must I suffer? Why must this happen to me, Lord? What about Jimmy? What about that guy that I see doing this? Why does it have to happen to me? It's a, why am I having to suffer? Why am I having to go through this? thought of so many moments that I've been journeying with people and when I see the things that have happened to you, it just doesn't seem right that that great guy, that that great lady, having done all these things, needs to suffer like this. That's our natural way of trying to say, to justify, it just doesn't seem right. But Paul says, and Jesus says to us, that we will suffer. He quotes Psalm 44, verse 22. And I'm just going to read it for us quickly. Yet for your sake, this is from Psalm 44, verse 22, we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to, to be slaughtered. Jesus says it also to us in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I've said these things to you, very important, that in me you may have peace. It's in Christ as you deal with these things, that you will have peace. 
you'll feel safe. In the world, you will have turbulation. It's a statement. It's a reality. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Friends, this is the truth. If you're a child of God, you've been set apart, we will suffer. It is just the way it is. But what Paul does in this beautiful way, he follows this statement with this incredible proclamation in verse 37. After saying this, and yes, people are suffering, people are persecuted, people are dying. But he says there's something that happens through persecution. There's something that happens through suffering. And he makes this profound statement. And he says in verse 37, No, despite all these things that we've just mentioned, the overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Friends, what he's saying to you and me is, and this is just the truth. It sounds like a cliche. It sounds a bit kind of, yeah, sounds weird, but it's the truth. Is that the Lord needs to allow us to suffer and experience the process of suffer so that we can be refined. That he can change us inside our being, our, 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 our natural naturalness. He uses this to refine us for his glory and for his purpose. It is just the way it is. When I think of my own life, I love it when it's easy, when it's just going really lacquer. But the truth of it is, as much as I want to say this, I know that I'm not as close to God that when I'm really vulnerable, when I'm clinging on with my fingernails, where I, where I need the Lord, I need to sense that safety. It's just the way I'm wired. And I know many of us are like that. And so I, this is the truth that God really wants us to know. That yes, we will suffer. But he uses the suffering to refine us. In this week, you know, I was, I was thinking, Lord, but how do I bring this across? And in this week, the Lord's been so good to me. Met, there was a friend of mine who, who I know is going through all kinds of overwhelming things and has been going through these things for a while, for a long time. And as he started sharing with me the reality, and as we kind of just been journeying through this, he made this proclamation to me that, that even although things are not sorted, Looking back on his life, there's no way he'd want to have faced this if he thinks of the way he was. What God has done, even in the suffering, the way he's refined him, the way he's, the intimacy, the, the way he's been able to handle these things, the way he's changed because of that. This, the, the, the verse that just rings out and rings out, I read it before, it's Romans 8 verse 18. And it's just this, this wonderful declaration. For I consider that suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I see in his life God's glory as I see how he's not the same man that I knew when I met him. I see God's glory in the way that he deals with us. I see the God's glory already revealed in the way the Lord is using him to touch other people, touch me. And that is what God does. And I just praise him for that. And it's what God says will happen to us as Christians. With that in mind, I, I, I found as I was preparing, I, I wanted to stop and just 
let each of us think about this. There's, there's people that have journeyed with us, that are listening to this message, that have been through some serious deserts, that have been through some serious and are still going through some serious things. But you have done this with others. You've journeyed with somebody who's been with you through those moments. And there's an unwritten, beautiful thing that happens when you, when you journey with someone that's been in these overwhelming situations. And together you've wrestled, you've, 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 been, re- you've been shaped by, like clay. And, and uh, you know, it might be a spouse. It might be someone that's not with you right now. But when you see that person and when you just are together, there's this unwritten reality that, you know, God has just done something in us. We're not the same anymore because we've been refined through what we've experienced together. And because of that, we're able to just have an intimacy with the Lord and there's a joy and there's just a sense of this is just good. And I really felt that I wanted to just challenge each of us that is listening to this message, that before the sun goes down, I want you to tell that person how much God has loved them through you, how much you appreciated them being part of those, those moments. And if they're not there, you know, just, just, just encourage them of what they've been to you. There's people that have journeyed with us that... I don't know if I'll ever be able to express the thanks of how they have just been there and have felt it with us as we've journeyed together. This is what God does. It's not just an individual thing. It's a, it's a body thing. And it's a beautiful thing. And I just wanted to say, if there's a chance for you to do that before the sun goes down, don't, don't no, just do that if you get the courage to do that. So yes, the, the, third, the, the second point, just in summary, is that we're suffering, we're just guaranteed that it's going to happen. But God knows this. He says, no, besides all of those things, I want you to know that in Christ there is overwhelming victory because he's busy doing something in us. That's the second truth. First one, knowing that God loves you, he's holding on to you, he's got you tightly, he wants you to feel safe in the midst of the calamities and the realities that you're dealing. He's declaring that to all of us. Know that safety. Secondly, understand that you're going to go through this, but know that he's doing something in you. And thirdly, the third point is really a powerful one, is that it takes courage. Friends, it takes courage to listen to the still, still voice of the Holy Spirit when everything in your being, everything that logically speaks out to you and those around you says it's not fair, says don't even think of doing that, it's just not what you should be doing right now. But in this journey, God is calling you to something different. Remember, as I said, he's speaking to Christians, people that are in Rome, that are experiencing persecution. He's speaking to a church that are anointed that are, that are walking in the Spirit and are listening to the Holy Spirit. But it takes courage, friends. I thought of many examples to try and kind of bring this home and Paul has this wonderful way of, of also expressing it exactly like this. And I thought I'd use this image of a soldier. I want to just read the scripture first uh, that's found in 2 Timothy verses, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. 
Paul is sharing about suffering and comparing us to soldiers. He says, share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in the civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Paul is saying we are soldiers. Many of us, in, I know that in our generation, have never really felt or been part of war or, or have ever experienced what it is to, to be under the, under the command of somebody who's been trained as a good soldier to follow instructions and have courage when something that is logically just doesn't seem right, that you would do this to please and to, to act on and trust the direction of someone that is placed above you in a military environment. That sense in those pictures of you know, being hunkering down behind some wall, knowing the safety of that, but being called to step out with the reality that you might lose your life, to get there, to do that, to be dependent on getting to own what you've been told to do by your commanding officer. That requires courage. Um, in my case, um, I, I was in the Navy, I was a submariner, I was in a submarine. Man, the, to trust and, 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 and get over the, the, the sense of anxiety when, the, when they seal the hatch and you start diving and knowing that this is logically, I didn't believe in the cause, but I was part of it. Understand that to a certain degree. But God is calling us that we are soldiers. And he's saying to us, and this is so important that we get this, you know, we need to hear the Holy Spirit and have the courage to respond to that. There is so many examples in, in the Word of God of exactly this. So many examples of, of how, how the Lord did this with those that were anointed and were walking in the Spirit. We are children of God. We have the Holy Spirit within us. Yes, we allow sin to just damper him and, and, it's, and, and I'm just asking you to just awake to the fact that God is speaking to you in the midst of your suffering. But there's so many wonderful examples. We know of David and Goliath. We all know the story. David, this young boy, the whole of the Israeli army was saying, don't go out there. He is a giant. He's a warrior. The king said, don't go out there. His brother said, what do you think you're doing? But we know he stepped out onto that field with a sling and five stones. And we know what happened. Another incredible example is the story of Gideon. If you get a chance, just, just read Judges chapter 6 to chapter 8. An incredible story of what God did through this man who was from the least of the least of the tribes. The army of the Midianites and the Amalekites and, and those in the east all marched over and went over the Jordan River and settled in the, in the valley of Zeril. And then the Bible says this incredible thing. This is just a picture of the size of this army. It says, the army was a, like a swarm of locusts, like the desert sands going on and on. I thought of Lawrence in Arabia, and there was that picture as you see the, see the camels coming over the desert, but this is bigger. This is like Lord of the Rings kind of, you know, just, just a whole lot more. Um, and... Uh, that's the size of this army that the Bible depicts. What does Gideon do? He blows the trumpet. He summons 32,000 Israeli soldiers from all the tribes in the valley. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, tell all of those that don't have courage to go home to their families. Of the 32,000, 20,000 leave. 20,000 leaves. 
have the picture of the mind of this swarm of locusts, an army that are going over and over, just in the deserts, going on and on. And now you're down to 10,000 people, 10,000 men. This takes courage when the Holy Spirit then says to you, it's still too much. I want you to go to the river and I want those that are lapping up the water to be selected. You have 300 men left to face an army of the swarm of locusts like the desert sands just going on and on. It is overwhelming. The odds are just not there. But here's the difference. They have the Holy Spirit with them. And what happens? God gives them the victory. It is incredible. There's so many of those examples in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. And there's those, te- those stories that we have in our own lives. The difference that they have and that we have, there's an anointing of the Holy Spirit that is on them. We have the Holy Spirit within us. Christ is in us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Friends, we need to live with a sense of trusting what that still, still voice is telling us. And we need to experience this, knowing the truth that I've shared earlier. I thought, in closing, I, I want to just share one testimony that many of us that are listening to the message, that have been part of our journey, that have gone into different countries already since it happened, I want to just share it again and just remind us all of how God gives us courage to do the impossible. I want to take us all back to 2012, year in Zuck. We were in a different building, and we knew three years prior to that that they were going to break down the building in December, demolish it. They gave us three years' warning, and we'd spent that time going from different places to try and find a new venue. We had found incredible places. We had rejoiced about certain buildings that we found, which we saw the potential for. The size was great. And every time it came to signing the contract, it was, you're a church, you're a free church. Sorry, we can't give that to you. We had the sense of, this is not fair, Lord. You brought us all this way. We went through all these, these motions as a church. It's September of 2012. We have to be out of the building in December 2012. We were desperate. We were overwhelmed. But we were praying. And then we found this building. The old Lego factory. Still got the blue pillars from the Lego colors. But here's the snag. We think that's just going to be wonderful. But they tell us we can only get the building if we sign the contract now. And here's the thing about Switzerland. You have to sign a seven-year lease, seven years of rent. You're in for seven years. We prayed. But we, we trusted the Lord. And we think that's not big enough. We had to get this building certified for fire and security before we could even be a church. And if that's not big enough, before you can actually do that, you have to put a, a thing in the newspaper, in the Amtsblatt, which is a little booklet that comes out every month, which announces all the different buildings and things that are happening in and around your community. And we had to declare that we will be a church in this neighborhood. And if anybody objects, objects against it, thanks for coming. That would have been the end of it. I want to remind many of you that are listening today, as we prayed and we felt with one heart that God, the Lord said, we have to take courage. We need to do this. I want to remind you of the fact that when that cold day as we walked around this building praying that while the, the, the two weeks were out there and this message was broadcast to the whole community, 
We pleaded with the Lord that no one will make any objections. I want to remind you of the fact that it was an incredible thing that God did for us. But it's nine years later, and there's been incredible stuff that the Lord has done since then. There's overwhelming things that we faced that we thought were big then. But because God has shown us not to shrink back, we've experienced God in, in an incredible way. We've sensed his love. We've sensed what it means to just sense his hand holding on to us. And it's just changed us. We, we will never be the same again. And it's enabled us to be put into situations where we feel we have the courage to do more. But we need to know that we have to do this in Christ, in the Holy Spirit. And God will just, and I'm so wanting this to, 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 to speak to you guys. And I, I wrote this, I said, you know, what else can I say about this? And it's, it's verse 8, verse 31, because this is the truth. The Lord says, what can I say? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is the statement that we need to make. And I really just want to pray that you would know that in the overwhelming odds that you are facing, God is for you. And he loves you. And he's holding on to you with an everlasting love. He wants you to be safe. No, he's going to change you. He'll never be the same again. And just take courage. Listen to the Holy Spirit. If you haven't or you forgot about him, just wake up and allow the Spirit to speak to you. Just ask him to fill you afresh and allow the Lord to just move. You'll never be the same again. Allow me to pray as I, as I close this service and allow the Lord just to minister to us in this moment before we sing our final song. Father, I want to thank you for your word. Lord, your word becomes life when we allow it to speak to our hearts. Lord, I want to ask right now, Lord, there's, there's, there's many of us that have experienced your truth through your word in this hour. Lord, will it land on ground that is fertile and may we hold on to it. May it change us forever in the name of Jesus. Lord, I declare that we will not let this be stolen from us. Lord, I ask that you would change us for your glory and for your purpose because we know that we are, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Father, I also pray for all of those that I know that, that might be just tuning in because they've, that you divinely wanted them to hear this message. And they don't know you because they're not children of God. They never bowed the knee before you, Lord. In this hour, in this moment, as they hear this, thinking of the, the things that they're facing, I want to ask in the name of Jesus that they would just go on their knees and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you to come and take hold of my life. I believe what this man has said and I want that in my life because I'm desperate. I want to be able to face these things that, I'm, that is just blowing me away. And I ask, Lord, that you would just, and if, if, I've, if I've moved away from you, I want to be drawn back. I want to feel that safety of a holding you, that you're holding me, Lord. I want that again. I knew it long ago. I ask, Lord, that in this moment that we would experience you in a real way. Father, will you use us for your glory? For more, Lord, let us not shrink back. Let us be bold and let us be courageous in the name of Jesus. Amen.